We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam. This is Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice. Touchdown, Kansas City. KMOX. Sports Open Line does roll on here on KMOX. I tell you what, so the side story of what's uh, gone on throughout the program this evening is uh, we had Dan Zimborski on, and he called the wrong St. Louis radio station. So evidently he was on another station in St. Louis where that station just thought he was like a, a caller calling in. And now uh, Dan is on a Twitter search to figure out who he was on with before he came on with us. So we are monitoring that situation on social media as we do continue on with the program. Uh, But right now we're happy to be able to go back to the guest line. Big football weekend coming up, AFC and NFC championship weekend. I, I'm not saying anything that's uh, unique or creative or new or something that other people don't already say, but this is the best football weekend of the year where you get two Super Bowl caliber games without all the other stuff that goes along uh, with the Super Bowl. So to talk all things football, we uh, bring in Mike Tanier, senior analyst with uh, Football Outsiders. You follow him on Twitter at Mike, T-A-N-I-E-R. Mike, thanks so much uh, for your time. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm getting really ready for some football, though. It's, uh, It's going to be a fun weekend. Which of the two games are you most excited about? Well, I'm based here in Philadelphia, PA, greater Philly anyway, southern New Jersey, and I'm a lifelong Eagles fan. So while we have to be objective and we have to be non-biased, I'm looking forward to that Eagles 49ers game. We had you on, I don't know, two, three months ago, and I asked you about which teams and which coaches out there are best when it comes to using analytics and data. And you specifically mentioned the Philadelphia Eagles doing what you do. Is there, do you you almost kind of root for them? Not because of your rooting interest, but because they're maybe kind of like-minded with what you guys do and the way that they view football. I'll do this. I'll, I'll say this. Sometimes I discover that teams have hired like friends or hired people that I know who came up through the ranks. It's always exciting to root for uh, a team that has somebody uh, working for them that I know or that I've worked with in the past and respect, and that's part of it. Another part of it is teams that follow analytics tend to do things like go for two more uh, on fourth and one, run the sneak or go for it or not punt. Uh, so a lot of times it's not just I'm rooting for analytics and for analytics-mindedness. It's a more fun, exciting breed of football. You don't want to watch punts. You want to see fourth and two. Let's run the sneak. Let's go for it. That's what's exciting about football. So I don't think it's just me that roots for analytics. It's like 
everybody except, I guess, Troy Aikman <laughs> for the analytics because it makes for a more interesting game. Okay, so you know what? That's interesting. And, and I, I'm a I'm a baseball guy. I do Cardinals pre-post here in St. Louis. And um, in in many ways, when you apply analytics and data to baseball, it makes yeah. the game more boring, not as aesthetically pleasing, yet yes. in football, when you apply it, it makes it more entertaining. I've never even thought about it comparing those two things till just now, but it's kind of interesting to look at it that way. In fact, that my boss, Aaron Schatz, says that all the time. You know, when people say analytics ruin baseball, they've got a point because it's a bunch of guys just taking pitches, taking pitches, fouling off pitches, waiting for the walk or the home run, and that's not really good football. And I, I think basketball is similar where everybody's just trying to launch threes, launch trees, get open for, for three-pointers. I think that's analytics. Uh, by sheer luck, in football, it means you know a more aggressive style of play, and it generally means a, a more fun style of play. Does Jalen Hurts get the credit he deserves as a quarterback? Uh, well, he is one of the finalists for the uh, MVP award, so it's, <laughs> it's not that bad. He's up for a player, the offensive player of the year. He's up for MVP. There is a weird attitude, though, that we always have to say, yes, but look at the offensive line. Yes, but look at the receivers. Hey, that's great. You can say that about the Buffalo Bills, too. You can say that about the Kansas City Chiefs. Hurts has done a tremendous job this year, and if you really follow his career year after year, going back to when he transferred Oklahoma, Alabama, et cetera, he got better every single year, better as a passer, better as a decision maker, and we're seeing the fruition of that this year with all the things he can do on the field for the Philadelphia Eagles. On the other side of that game, how much credit should Kyle Shanahan and the entire 49ers organization get for figuring out a way to put out a really good defense on an every-game basis and then go through a few quarterbacks and still be able to do enough offensively with some unique pieces to get to the spot where they're at right now? It's absolutely stunning, and I'm shocked that other teams don't look at Shanahan, and they, they certainly do hire his assistants, so that does happen. But the, don't, teams will look at this and say, how, how can we quarterback-proof our offense? How can we quarterback-proof our team uh, and build through getting you know the Christian McCaffreys and the Debos and the George Kittles and the Nick Bozas and the Eric Armsteads that we can go on, the Fred Warners? How do we do that? It seems like, you know, on the one hand, every team should be imitating that so they can grab a quarterback in the seventh round or the third round or grab a Geno Smith or whatever, and yet the draft's going to come, and what are we going to hear in the draft? You know, this team's trading up for Bryce Young. This team's trading up for C.J. Stroud. This team's giving two first-round picks for Aaron Rodgers. Who knows? What Shanahan and Lynch and the 49ers have done should be a template for other teams, and it's shocking that it hasn't been. Okay, I want to push back on you a little bit, though, because it's not that I disagree with what you just said, but at the same time, it does seem like more teams get to the highest. The The Bengals get to where they're at because of Joe Burrow. The Chiefs get to yeah. where they're at because of Patrick Mahomes. In many ways, it feels like if you can get that franchise quarterback, and it's a big if, that's the, that's the easier path. It, you would think that, and for those teams, that's great. And then the Jets get to be the Jets by always going after <laughs> that quarterback, et cetera. Now, the Jaguars, now it looks like they've got it in Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. That's a great idea. Do we remember Blaine Gabbert? Do we remember Blake Portals? Yeah, all the times along the way. So, you know, sometimes we see the failures, excuse me, we see the successes, and we forget that there were four, five, six, seven, eight failures along the way. If you're not in position to pick in the top five and get Trevor Lawrence and uh, get somebody like that, 
maybe the answer is let's go find a Debo Samuel and a Fred Warner and an Eric Armstead, and then we can win with a Garoppolo or a Brock Purdy. Yeah, that's that's the great point in all this, and it requires it requires you to have a bunch of smart people going and getting a bunch of because you get that that big quarterback. Well, there's a little bit less pressure on who you put around them. Where from a San Francisco standpoint, you name all those players. You, you they they needed almost every single one of them to do what they're doing. Exactly. But, you know, you can go out generally and find the linebackers. There's very good linebackers, very good receivers, good running backs in the draft. You can collect those pieces along the way, whereas in a typical draft, you don't know one, two, three quarterbacks, and they could be scattered among guys who look like sure things and aren't. And there's one other component of this is that Joe Barrow is on his rookie contract, does not cost a lot of money. Jalen Hurts on his rookie contract does not cost a lot of money there's a sudden increase where you only have that three or four years before you are paying a quarterback $40 million. You don't necessarily have that if you built your team around the linebackers and the receivers. There are guys wanting money, but not one guy who takes up 30% of your salary cap, et cetera. So each way has its merits. You know, each, I think that's what it boils down to. The, the fallacy there is, oh, if we don't have a quarterback, let's wait and wait and wait and do nothing until we get the quarterback. That's the fallacy. Mike Denier, Football Outsiders, continuing to join us. Let's jump over to uh, the other one, the AFC Championship game uh, with the uh, with the Chiefs and the Bengals. It's been interesting watching the point spread on this be- yes. one because at one point Cincinnati was a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I think Kansas City is a one-point favorite. It all seems to be dependent upon Patrick Mahomes' high ankle. Yes, and right now uh, the spread in the last 12, 13 hours, it's almost like watching a hurricane. Like you have to get an update every hour or two on where the spread is. Uh, It has really stabilized at Chiefs minus one, and I think that means that the house thinks that Mahomes has stabilized that he'll play, and he'll be not 0%, not 100%, but probably something better than 50%. And what it boils down to with Patrick Mahomes is if he's hobbling around out there, then I think the Bengals are, 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 the, are the favorite. If he's out there and he can plant that foot, he does not have to be able to scramble all over creation and do some of those miraculous plays. But if he can plant that foot and throw accurately 10 to 20 to 25 yards down the field, then he gets, lets the Chiefs be the Chiefs. And if the Chiefs can be the Chiefs, it's going to be another one of those shootouts between these two teams how impressive is it just the consistency we've seen from the chiefs of basically at least being in the afc championship game almost every year it is stunning and of course i think what we're thinking about is they lose tyreek hill who looked like somebody who really really turbocharged that offense and he did and made them special and they replace him with you know a battery of guys with juju smith schuster and sky Moore and uh, marquis valdez scantling and they keep doing the same things and Really, if you look at the consistency, that's across the career of Andy Reid, too. You look at Andy Reid, went out there in the Philadelphia Eagles, did those things with Donovan McNabb, got back to the playoffs with Jeff Garcia, got back to the playoffs with Michael Vick, got to the playoffs with the Chiefs with Alex Smith. Obviously, Mahomes, Kelsey, these are special players, Chris Jones, but the coaching of Andy Reid and the way he puts the structure of that organization together is where you get this team that always seems to be, at the very least, second round, usually AFC Championship round of the playoffs. I, I mentioned it earlier. I love the way you guys look at football. I think it's great for fans who want to dive in a little bit. It's football outsiders. For people listening to this right now, especially, again, you're you're on in St. Louis. This is a very baseball-savvy audience that you're talking to. Uh, when they go see what you guys do at, at, at Football Outsiders, how different are they going to see the game? I think they'll see it a lot different. If they're baseball savvy, they're probably sabermetric savvy, and they know about things like wins above replacement and warp and things like that. 
Football Outsiders, we have DVOA and DER. They're similar to VORP. They're similar to WAR, uh, designed by Aaron Schatz, who was the Bill James of football, put these things together 20 years ago. And what you'll find is, at first, they might just look like power ratings, but then you can dig deep and say, they're power ratings for third down. They're power ratings for first down. They're power ratings for the red zone, for goal line, uh, for the fourth quarter, for late and close situations. So you can break the game down situationally and really figure out why teams are winning and losing on a, on a very fundamental and granular level. Mike, thank you so much for your time. Always appreciate being able to talk football with you, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Absolutely. Take care and enjoy the games. That is uh, Mike Tanier joining us here on Sports Open Line on KMOX. We appreciate him taking a couple moments uh, with us this evening. We're going to go back-to-back football interviews as uh, Mike Mitchell is going to join us in uh, just a moment. Uh, somebody that you uh, read at Fansided uh, covers the NFL, but also uh, as we get towards the XFL season, Mitchell is somebody who uh, covers that league as well. So we'll, uh, we'll keep the football portion of our program rolling along. It's Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Open Line does continue here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. As always, if you want to chime in, 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. If you want to tweet at me, you can do so at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Right now, very happy to uh, welcome on somebody that covers really all levels of football. We can talk NFL with them. We can also talk about the XFL as uh, we're going to have the Battle Hawks back very, very soon. He is Mike Mitchell. You follow him on Twitter at ByMikeMitchell. Mike, thanks so much for taking some time. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much, Matt, for having me on. Yeah, you bet. Let's start with uh, NFL. Which game are you most looking forward to this weekend? It feels like it's going to be a really good weekend of NFL football. Uh, No question about it. I feel like these are the four best teams in the NFL. That isn't always the case when we get to conference championship week. I have fascination with both matchups. I think the Niners and the Eagles, from a strategy football strategy standpoint, fascinates fascinates me in terms of how the Niners match up with, with the Eagles and how they're going to play that defense. You know, they're, it's, uh, 
So uh, the Chiefs and the Bengals is great, too. I mean, anytime you have Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow, two dynamic quarterbacks going head-to-head, um, I have a feeling we're going to see a lot more of those matchups in the next few years uh, with those two teams who are both going to be Super Bowl contenders because of those two aforementioned players. So I think there's a lot of intrigue in both the games because it's one of those years where it's legitimately, in my opinion, I know some Buffalo Bills fans might be upset about this, but I, I feel that these are the four best teams in the National Football League, and so it's fitting that they're meeting up this weekend. I had um, Mike Tanier on from um, from Football Outsiders uh, just before we had you on, and we were talking about the point spread for that AFC Championship game, and it, it's been all over the place. It's been Cincinnati favored by two and a half. Now it's Kansas City favored by a point. Like, And obviously there's a lot up in the air when it comes to Patrick Mahomes' ankle, but it really feels like... Uh, that that's dictating so much of what's going to happen in that game. And no question about it, man. When you look at it too, you know the Bengals, healthy Mahomes or not, they've, they've had Kansas City's number. Um, they, you know, they beat them early on this regular season. They beat them obviously in the AFC Championship last year. Seems like they match up really well with them. And now that you have, you know, there's a question of whether how effective Patrick Mahomes is going to be uh, this coming Sunday. I know there's talks that he's not limping and all that. So we'll see. But the Bengals, pound for pound, match up very well with Kansas City. So normally you would figure KC would be not an overwhelming favorite in the AFC Championship game, but they wouldn't be. Uh, it wouldn't be in a situation where they could potentially even be considered an underdog in this game. So it's a fascinating matchup for both teams. They reached the point. Kansas City. This is what happens when you have these type of quarterbacks. Where you know the great thing is every year you're Super Bowl contenders. But the negative side, the downside to all that is. You know, the expectation level is disappointment if you don't hoist the trophy. So that's where their two franchises are at. The Bengals are reaching that point where Kansas City is already at, where um, every year now it's about them hoisting the trophy, winning the championship. So they're trying to get back to the Super Bowl for the second year in a row, and they've got a good chance. Yeah, so you have those two elite-level quarterbacks in the AFC Championship game. And then the NFC Championship game, you've got a really, really good quarterback in Jalen Hurts. And you got a, a guy who's just been given an opportunity and hasn't messed up with it in, in Brock Purdy. In today's NFL, can, can a Brock Purdy win you a Super Bowl? Yeah, you know, that's such a great question. It's, yeah, you know, you got to love what he's doing. You know, he's like, uh, oftentimes NFL teams, they overvalue potential over production. And if you look at Brock Purdy's college career, it was Purdy. Um, he was very productive, highly productive at Iowa State. He won a lot of games. He had big games against big teams. But because he doesn't have the dynamic traits, no one expected this from him. And NFL scouts, you know, they labeled him, you know, obviously the last pick in the draft. They thought of him as a, maybe a backup quarterback at best. So kudos to him for what he's done. Undefeated, obviously. He's in a great system with Kyle Shanahan. So he would shock the world and maybe change the landscape of how the scouting system works in terms of how they uh, value quarterbacks in the draft process. Uh, he's done a tremendous job. He's got, he's been very calm and he's not your typical rookie. He's handled the situation very well. He's in a great system surrounded by elite talent, but uh, to his credit, he's done a very good job to this point. He's going to be tested heavily against a very good Eagles defense on the road. So this is quite the challenge for Purdy, but the Niners are very interesting. Look outside the quarterback position, which is hard to do. The Niners have one of the deepest, most talented overall rosters in the sport. And so they're in a championship game for the second year in a row. That's a testament 
for that front office and coaching staff um, how good they are. But they they have a, they, they deserve to be in the position they're in. But that is quite the challenge for Purdy. He might shake up the world if he were to get to the Super Bowl for sure. I love comparing the roster construction of Kansas City to San Francisco because with Kansas City – You've got Patrick Mahomes, and, and I'm not trying to dismiss anybody else on that roster, but it almost feels like you can go put anybody there and Mahomes is going to lift their talent. Where in San Francisco, it's kind of the opposite of that. You have such a solid support cast all over the place and, and dynamic players that can do so many things that that group can kind of lift the quarterback. That's an excellent point. You know, you see that with the Chiefs. And Patrick Mahomes is like the ultimate point guard. Um he can administer and get the ball to anyone who's open there. And they're not both those teams that you mentioned are not uh, reliant upon superstar wide receivers. We saw what happened with Mahomes this year without Tyreek Hill, how great he's been. And the Niners are just, they just have perfect role players on their team. They have elite players, Kittles, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk's very underrated. Kyle Huszczyk is one of the best football players in the entire league, pound for pound. He's like a complete player, the blocker. A receiver, runner, all that. So, and the, they have Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan are two of the best offensive coaches in the entire sport, and they have tremendous systems. And so, um, yeah, it's it's seeing those two, how the roster construction, the front office, how those coaches make those systems work. It's fun to watch. All right, let's jump over to the XFL. Before we know it, the uh, St. Louis BattleHawks will be back playing uh, the. The way they're doing things this time around is a little bit different. They're running operations out of a single site uh, in Texas, and then they'll travel for for games on the weekends. Obviously, they're trying to do what they need to do to exist long-term, which is something that spring football hasn't really done. We're seeing the USFL get a second season. That's something that hasn't happened in a while. But what's what's your uh, initial thoughts on on what this version of the XFL is going to look like and how successful it can be versus either of the previous two versions, but certainly the last version of it? You know, you wonder if lightning can strike twice with the XFL. Three years ago, they really did a great job of connecting with these markets. But a big part of the XFL success in 2020 was St. Louis. I mean, I was talking to Patrick Rufano, who's, uh, who covers the uh, St. Louis Battlehawks exclusively for XFLnewsup.com, and we were talking about how St. Louis and the XFL were a perfect marriage three years ago. It's two entities that were out to prove that they belonged in the pro football landscape. And St. Louis, as you know, is highly motivated to prove that they deserve uh, a pro football team and that they are a great pro football town. So in these types of leagues, these new leagues, and I've covered them and followed them for a long time, it's very difficult because you're starting from scratch to get dedicated fan bases and to get cities interested in your teams because a lot of times the type of crowds and the type of interest you draw is casual in nature. you got people who don't know the players, it takes time to build up a dedicated fan base. But St. Louis, right out the gate, was fully invested, and they were fully immersed. And so that made the XFL a stronger league. You wonder if they can, you know, ticket sales are going well. Obviously, the Battlehawks don't have their first game until week four, so you take a little time before they're in the dome there in front of their home crowd. And, you know, you wonder if they can match that same level um, of success that they had three years ago because it was pretty magical what St. Louis and XFL had gone, unfortunately, before COVID shut everything down. You know, the, you're right. And, and the other side of that, too, is 
St. Louis now has a Major League Soccer franchise the, in City SC that's going into its first year. So in many ways, the Battle Hawks will kind of be competing for that as well. When it comes to the new thing in town, there's going to be a couple new things going on at the same time. Yeah, and it, so it might be a little bit different on that end. So, I mean, I think the crowd, they're going to draw good crowds as they should. St. Louis is a tremendous town, definitely deserves a uh, pro football team. Uh, got a raw deal throughout history, um, it seems. But um, I think they'll draw a while, but it might be a little bit different. I think, to his credit, Anthony Beck has done a very good job. I know it's a different operation. They're not quite in the city. They're still trying to connect. And so we'll see how it goes. But I have no doubt that the Battle Hawks will once again lead the league in attendance and they'll have dedicated fans. I just question whether or not, because they were building so much momentum in 2020 to the point where they were – you know, that's the catchphrase now. They want to fill the top in the dome. But they were getting to the point where they were going to sell out, get close to at least 35,000, 40,000 plus in that stadium, which is tremendous for a new league. Um, so uh, we'll see if they can match that. But uh, I, I do think there'll be interest, and, um, and that, that the Battle Hawks will do real well from that end. From a long-term viability standpoint, eventually, and I can ask you this about both the XFL and the USFL, at some point in time, are they eventually going to have to settle down roots in their home markets and not do these things, whether it's playing games like the USFL or just running operations like the XFL, where they really commit fully all the time to their markets? Or is there a, is there a business model where they do it this way and it works? You know, the USFL is trying to make it work by by cutting down spending, and that's what they did in year one. And now they're moving into uh, four separate hubs, which is a good thing. But until you're actually in the markets, you know, it's hard for, say, New Jersey Generals fans to care about their team if they're playing in Ohio. So at least the XFL's teams are actually going to play in their cities, even if they are situated throughout the year through in Arlington. But at some point, you know, these leagues have only eight teams. So, the advantage like the NFL has is you've got 32 teams, you've got gambling, you've got fantasy. You know, even if you're in St. Louis, you'll watch a game that's between, say, Cincinnati and the Jets or something. Whereas in these leagues, you only have eight markets that are investing in the league. So it's, you have to be in those cities in order to get the ratings and the attention. So at least the XFL is kind of like halfway there in terms of having all the eight of their teams play in their cities and their stadiums. And we'll see. I think that's the best way to go about it. Eventually, they have to get into their markets even more so. Um, it may sound crazy, but I actually think, you know, we'll see if both leagues survive. I actually think it's going to work this time. I know that sounds ludicrous considering history, but I actually think that either one or both of these leagues are, gonna, are actually going to make it because I think it's a different landscape out there in terms of live sports content, the um, need for it, want for it. And I think these leagues do respectable ratings and attendance, and, and it's a good concept. It's good for the football landscape. For the, so I, I, I do think these leagues, I have a good shot this time. He is Mike Mitchell. You follow him on Twitter at by Mike Mitchell. You can read him all over the place, including uh, XFL News Hub. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for your time. Uh, hopefully can we uh, get you on here uh, again in the future. Thank you for your time, Matt. I appreciate it. Yeah, very good. There's Mike Mitchell joining us here on Sports Open Line, talking all things football, both uh, NFL Conference Championship Weekend and the Battle Hawks, which will be getting their season sooner than later. All right, we're going to switch gears. We'll talk some hockey. The Blues are back at tonight. They are in action against the Coyotes in Arizona. What did Craig Berube have to say prior to tonight's game? We'll tell you in just a moment. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. 
slam. This is Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice. Kansas City KMOX. Sports Open Line does continue here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauly. This has been an eventful evening here at the KMOX studios. And uh, we'll tell you that uh, we've got uh, Monica Adams is going to be hosting at your service this evening, 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock. So you will not want to miss out on that. The Blues are in action this evening. They're going to get started here in about 20 minutes or so. They've got an 8 o'clock game as they're going to match up against the Coyotes. I said this earlier. I hate saying this. I hate saying this. I don't... I'm not one of those like negative people. I'm not one of those people that takes joy in things going poorly. Like, honestly, like whether it's sports radio, whether it's politics, like in many times there's more interaction and there's more passion and things like that when things are not going well. That's not me. It never will be me. I like it when things are going well. So I'm not happy about my current belief on the St. Louis Blues where I'm just kind of done with them. And I... I, I jumped off. I, I finally jumped off with what happened between uh, the Chicago and the Buffalo games. Those are for where they were at at that time, trying to climb up, trying to get back into playoff contention, playing a couple teams that were not especially good, a couple teams they've had pretty good success against, playing at home, like all that stuff. You just can't lose those games. And they lost those games. And that was finally the moment where I said, okay, this. This might just not be their year. Uh, nonetheless, they are on the road tonight. They are going to take on the Arizona Coyotes. So the Coyotes stadium situation has been, well, not great. Uh, they, they had one arena. They kind of got kicked out of that one. They've had financial issues. Essentially, they're playing in a college hockey arena right now. And uh, Craig Berube spoke with uh, the media earlier today, and uh, he was asked about the conditions, the playing surface, everything of playing at that arena. It's choppy this morning, but the college team was out there before, so I think they had a good practice. So you got you know, it takes a little work to get it back to normal. But I think the ice will be fine tonight. I heard it's good, and uh, I think the atmosphere is going to be great. I mean, when you're in close, close quarters like that with fans right there, it's a little bit. Going back to the junior days, you know, mm-hmm. it seems like a junior rink. Yeah, it seems about this. Maybe it's the same. Maybe a little small. You know, when you play in Kansas City, yeah. that little uh, that rink. Yeah. Right there. So, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to it. I don't know if you saw the one, and they had bleachers. They, they're, those are stu- that's a student section. Oh, yeah. So you can have students yelling at you tonight, Chief. So. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people will be doing some yelling tonight. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're um, they're sharing an arena with Arizona State, so it's Mullet Arena. And they are going to be there through at least the 2024-2025 season and maybe 2025-2026. It is, it's a college arena. And college hockey isn't a really big thing here. College hockey is fun. I, I love college hockey. I have lived in some places uh, that um, have, have, have had really solid college hockey Generally, college hockey arenas are not exactly fit for NHL teams. So uh, there's about 5,000 seats at this arena, which makes it one-third of the second smallest NHL venue. Right now, the Winnipeg Jets played a venue at uh, Canada Life Center that has 15,321 seats. And this Arizona State Phoenix Coyotes arena holds about 5,000 people. 
And at some point in time, the NHL's got to get that figured out in Arizona, whether or not they're going to be able to build uh, a new arena. I guess maybe there's a scenario where they just say, you know what, we can be successful playing in a tiny arena, having a, a, a great filled-up crowd every night. Like maybe that's Maybe that's the route they go. I have a hard time believing that's where they would want to go. And whether it's in Arizona or somewhere else, you would think at some point they would want to be playing in a better environment. Speaking of that Arizona team, Craig Berube clearly uh, has respect for what they are doing. Watching them on tape, you know, they work extremely hard. Um, you know, they got a good structure to the game and they got some skill over there. But, uh, you know, I, they're a skating team and they, um, they're going to work. Um, you know, we, we got to work. We got to be ready to work. I was looking at their roster last night. They, they got a young team. I think half is more than half is 25 or under, and they got there's a lot of first rounders in, in, in on the roster. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, they've been picking for a bit here, and they, um, again, it's young guys have a lot of enthusiasm, and they're going to work and skate. They're trying to prove what kind of a player you know they are in the National Hockey League. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it'll be a tough, tough match. The lineup is going to look a little bit different right now. Jim Thomas uh, had uh, a bit of a back and forth with Barubi about what those lineup changes might look like. You tweak the lineup a, a little bit, uh, Rosen back in today and, and, and uh, Tucker out. Yeah, no, no real reason. I want to keep him going, um, both of them going. Uh, they, you know, they played well for us, and uh, um, I just think Rosen's puck movement is going to help us tonight. Yeah, and you that looks like Lero back in, but you've kind of him and... Walker and sometimes Pitlick, he kind of rotate them all in to get him in. Yeah, I like the line of Achari, Pitlick, and Torpo. It's a good checking line. I like that line for identity purposes, and um, so that's why I put them back together tonight for the game. It's nice to have some options. A lot of times you, you, this year you've just had to go with who, you, who you've had, right? Yeah, um, you know, so, I mean, I, I kept the top, top uh, two lines together and just kind of mixed and matched the bottom two a little bit but uh levo will go back in and um i think it's a good opportunity for him to um give us some good play in the offensive zone some chances around the net maybe get a goal maybe set something up he's got the ability to do that so i think it's a good game for him on the injury front, some potential good news. Robert Bertuzzo, he was activated off of injured reserve, so that's the good news. However, don't expect to see him on the ice tonight. He's, I think he's ready to go, though. He told me he is, so um, you know, we'll look at getting him in there uh, pretty soon. Though. A little bit more time. So Blues and Coyotes tonight. Again, they are opening up a three-game trip as they go out west. They're going to match up against the uh, Coyotes this evening, and then they will uh, continue the road trip after that as they're also going to uh, match up uh, against uh, Colorado coming up on Saturday, and then they'll go to Winnipeg. Speaking of uh, small venues, they'll match up against Winnipeg. They do not play another home game until February 11th. Each year in the NHL, you get like that extended break. Every team gets uh, some time off, and uh, they are going to uh, their their extended break this year in season uh, with everything else going on, and obviously all-star break, uh, and and just – yeah, it's uh, they they won't play uh, they won't play between January 30th and February 11th. So they're going to get some uh, some time off during uh, that period, uh, and we'll see what happens after that. Again, they're not out of it from a from a number standpoint. That's what I want to keep saying that over and over and over. Like if they if if they flip the proverbial switch 
and just get things going and essentially become another team, they're fine. There's they can get into postseason position and do so. I wouldn't say easily, but they're they're only six points out of a playoff spot. Calgary is the team that's got uh, Cal- Calgary and Colorado for that matter. They each have fifty five points. The Blues have forty nine points. They can get back into this thing, uh, but. They have to do something that they haven't done pretty much all season long, and that's be much, much, much more consistent. All right, we'll take one more break. We'll come back, and we will wrap up this edition of the program. My name is Matt Pauley. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam. This is Sports Open Line on America's Sports Voice. Touchdown, Kansas City. KMOX. Starting to wrap up this edition of Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. We are going to uh, make way for At Your Service getting rolling at 8 o'clock. Monica Adams is going to be hosting this evening, 8 o'clock to uh, 10 o'clock. So uh, that's going to be coming up here in just a little while. Tomorrow night, SLU basketball. They are in action as they uh, take on Davidson on the road. So we will not have a show tomorrow night. That game is scheduled to tip off at 6 o'clock. So our coverage is going to begin just after 5.45 tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, no sports open line coming up tomorrow night. Speaking of Atlantic 10 basketball, there was an interesting situation that happened last night in a game between Loyola Chicago and Duquesne. Uh, middle of the game, all of a sudden, a man in a yellow jacket holding a bag of McDonald's walked onto the basketball floor as the game was going on. And it uh, it looked like he was looking for somebody to give food to. Now, turns out this was a social media prank. Duquesne issued a statement that read, quote, We strive to provide a safe and enjoyable environment for guests and participants at all events on our campus. We also rely on common courtesy and the civility of those in attendance to adhere to the guidelines that are in place. This was a prank planned in advance, done for Internet exposure. We determined that the individual was wearing a mic while someone filmed him as he walked onto the court during active play. While the incident may have seemed funny at the time and no harm was done, we are mindful that incidents like this can put players and officials at risk. The university has reviewed its safety protocols and tightened its security measures to ensure conditions for our players and fans are safe and meet the standards for the highest level of competition in college basketball. Got a couple thoughts on this. First off, it's really stupid that we got people walking on to a basketball floor in the middle of the game so they can make a TikTok video. Like it just we can't live in this world where everybody's trying to do content creation and make something go viral that you're doing something like that. And I'm I'm going to sound like the get off my lawn guy here, but I but I mean what I'm about to say. When you are at a public event in the world that we live in and all of a sudden something like that happens, it is really 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 uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable. Now, this is anything but an apples to apples um comparison. But I remember one of the most uncomfortable moments 
that I ever had in my life was it was ju- it was shortly after 9/11. It was within I, th- I think it was within weeks of 9/11. And I was at the Topeka Performing Arts Center to see George Carlin do stand-up comedy. And let's just say a George Carlin type performer doesn't show up to the Topeka Performing Arts Center very often. And I remember in the middle of the show, this woman walks onto the stage as Carlin is doing his stand-up. Now, it turns out what it was, was it was a, it was like a TPAC docent, TPAC, Topeka Performing Arts Center. Um, and she took offense to the content of what George Carlin was saying. And she came up onto the stage to inform him that she did not appreciate the type of language and what he was saying. And because he was a pro, I remember, you know, she eventually got taken off the stage. I think police kind of came up and, and ushered her off and, and he made some sort of joke like, mom, I told you to stay in the truck or, or something like that. But I can tell you, and again, we were all on high alert at the moment because it was just after 9-11. But everybody, the, you could have heard the pin drop when this woman comes walking down because we're at a public event and something like that happens. Now, people didn't have that reaction last night. I'm 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 using an extreme point right now. And I and I get it again, it's not an apples to apples thing. But it is really uncomfortable and it's really disconcerting when something like that happens and you're in attendance and all of a sudden things that are not supposed to be happening start happening. I can remember broadcasting a triple A baseball game once. Uh, I was the broadcaster in, in Colorado Springs for a while for their AAA team that doesn't exist anymore. And some some family was there, and a, a dad got, I think a dad had a few pops too many, and he told his daughter to walk onto the field in the middle of the game to go to the on-deck circle and start dancing. So middle of the baseball game, this girl walks onto the field goes to the on-deck circle, and just starts dancing. And every, it's, it's, it's nothing in the moment, but when something like that happens, like it's not funny, it's not amusing, nobody knows what's going on, and it's very uncomfortable. So I, I don't know what people were thinking last night when the fake Uber Eats guy came onto the floor acting like he was looking to deliver food because somebody was trying to make a, a, a video go, go viral. But that stuff's really uncomfortable. I, 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 didn't, I did not like watching that. When I saw the video of it, I did not find it amusing whatsoever. And, you know, Duquesne made the statement about, you know, they rely on common courtesy and the civility. Like, it's a Duquesne basketball game. You're not going to bring in 150 police officers and block off every... You go to like a slew basketball game, if you really want to walk onto the floor, you can probably get there. Like, they've got security and things, but there's there's very few sports venues where you can't find a way to get down if you if you really want to. Like, they're, they're not exactly high-security targets, if that makes uh, any sense. So... 
that was uncomfortable. And it's just a reminder of the world that we're living in right now where I don't know if you're like, like I get on Facebook or something and those Facebook reels pop up and it's just stupid videos and you get caught in them. You're like watching one after another, after another, after another. And then you look inwardly and you go, I'm, I am contributing to the overall downfall of society because People are making these stupid videos, and then people are watching them, and now they're just going to keep being made. That's my that's my take on society here for the moment. All right, that is it for this edition of Sports Open Line. That's it for Sports Open Line for the week. Slew basketball coming up tomorrow evening. They've got Davidson. That game's going to start at 6 o'clock. Our coverage at uh, just after 545. Monica Adams has you for At Your Service. How about that? She's going to be with you until 10 o'clock. She comes your way immediately following the news, which starts in about four minutes right here on KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.